So like I said, we want to welcome you again. Thank you for joining us. We looked at Romans chapter 8. If you're just joining us, we'll encourage you to look there again. Romans chapter 8. If you were with us last week, you would remember that we talked briefly about what our theme is going to be for this whole month of October. It's going to be about being overcomers and overcoming, overcoming fear and worry and anxiety. The things of the world that try to bog us down. We sang that song, Whom Shall I Fear, right? But fear is something that we all have in common. How many of you guys have seen that movie from Disney called Inside Out? Anybody? Inside Out, anyone remember some of the emotions that had names that, you know, you could see that everybody had those same emotions. They're all alike in that capacity. Whether their emotions developed, what emotion ruled the roost, or their brain was different, but they all had similar emotions. Anyone remember what their names were? Give them to me. Sadness, fear, anger, disgust, and joy. So those were, the, those were the five main emotions in this movie, Inside Out. And it talked about this young girl. She was about to become a teenager. And the one who did most of the driving was joy, right? How many of us can say in our lives, though, that the emotion that controls us the most is joy? Now, there were some other emotions in the mist. Anger was there, and sometimes he would blow a lid. Disgust. Fear. And sadness. In the movie, the main problem came about when sadness started overtaking everything. She didn't mean to, but all of a sudden, everything that used to make the girl happy was sad. Even memories, which used to be happy memories, became sad memories. And things got out of whack. And at one point in time, fear even tried to step in and help control things. But fear was always afraid. Afraid of everything. And when fear was in control, the level of fear the girl experienced, she went through, was almost irrational. Because she became afraid of everything. Fear is one thing that we have in common with even other species. Animals show fear. You ever seen a dog kind of scooch down to the ground with their tail between their legs and they're literally shaking almost giving you your, their belly because they're so what? Afraid. And dogs are known for what emotion more though normally if you think about it? Joy. Right? Their tail wagging. Dogs are normally happy creatures. But it's really sad when you see animals who have learned that fear is something that they should be worried about. Now, Everyone's afraid of something, right? Google will tell you that. 
here's a list of some of the most popular phobias or fears. You know what they are? Arachnophobia is fear of what? Spiders. All right. Let's see. Claustrophobia. That's, not a, that's a little further down on our list. But claustrophobia is the fear of tight places. There's a word, there's one for that too. Agoraphobia is Anyone know what agoraphobia is? Agoraphobia? Agoraphobia is the feel of open or crowded spaces. Normally, this is the fear that people have who can't even leave their houses. Acrophobia is the fear of heights. Cynophobia, the fear of dogs. So we called about it, and we were even open and honest. Some of us have our own fears. Some of us identified with some of the fears that we mentioned, right? What do you think is the number one fear, though, in America? Someone actually said it, but what do you think it is? Public speaking. Public speaking. And here's why I'm going to tell you why I actually think that makes sense. Now, would you say that more people are open and willing to talk about Jesus, or are they more quiet and reserved? Quiet and reserved. Why do you think that may be? Because of this what? Fear of public speaking, right? People think that in order to even speak about the Lord, they have to be willing to preach on any given Sunday or teach Sunday school or do something like that. And while those are great things, and if you want to do those things, you can see me later, just being willing to overcome your fear of speaking in public to be able to speak to others about Jesus is something completely different and very needed in our lives. And that's why we need to be able to learn how to move beyond fear, to become overcomers, to be empowered. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to be starting with verse 31. I'm going to read this from the message paraphrase as you follow along. And I just love the way this says this. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying, threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sin listed in the scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks and they pick us off one by one. None of this phases us though because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely 
firmly convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. We have such a strong reinforcement in our lives. Someone who's on our side. Now the Bible does talk about the need for fear. But do you know the only time it mentions it? In conjunction with fear the Lord. But normally... It's not even just fear the Lord of to be afraid of him. It says, fear the Lord and keep his commands, as it says in Ecclesiastes. Matthew says to be afraid of those who can kill the soul. not the ones who can kill the body. Isn't that what they said in Romans, right? We must all learn to deal with fear. President Herbert Hoover once said that the dominant emotion everywhere in the world is fear. We react out of fear. When we are afraid, we aren't proactive in what we do. We don't plan ahead. We operate in a crisis mode. And whatever we do, we do out of reaction. We don't think things through. And honestly, we may make bad choices out of a place of fear. And people, sadly enough, just like we talked about how dogs can learn to be afraid, People can learn to be afraid of almost anything. Their past, their present, their future. They can learn to be afraid of life, afraid of death. But fear has only the limitations that we can place upon it. And that's why Romans said, the thinkable or the unthinkable, though, right? Because how many of us have pr are pretty imaginative? And so when we think about things to be afraid of, we get a little overboard, right? We're kind of worst-case scenario kind of people sometimes, where instead of thinking about one thing that could go wrong and having a plan B, we have... 20 scenarios where there something fails and we're all worried about those 20 scenarios that we never stop to think about God who is on our side looking after us and get, having our back. We never stop to think to pray, to wait, to trust. General George Patton said this, I learned at a very young age not to take the counsel of my fears. In other words, I learned at a very young age not to follow the advice, not to follow the reaction my fears move me towards. I've learned not to allow fear to rule my life. Interestingly enough, we said the word fear does, to be afraid comes into the Bible when it says to fear the Lord, right? But also, the Bible is very specific 
about not being afraid, to not fear. In fact, it is one of the most often repeated commands in the Bible. They say that there is at least 360-something instances where in the Bible it says, do not be afraid, do not fear. How many days are there in a year? 365. You think that's enough for every day? You think God was trying to make a point? Mm Mm-hmm. As you read through the scriptures, there's a couple of things that God will point out more than once. It's kind of like when the Israelites, they would learn their lesson and then they'd forget it. So he'd have to teach them the lesson again. With this particular, he was trying to get it to sink in. Paul understood it. That's what he's talking about in Romans. I've learned not to be afraid is what he's saying. He even tells Timothy, he goes, hey, you are not given a spirit of fear and timidity. And don't let your fear control you and keep your mouth shut and make you sit down. But instead, be the bold servant the Lord has called you to be. Do not fear. One of the most popular and repeated commands in the Bible. (laughs) Starts out in the Old Testament. God is sending Abraham away with all... He's sending him to live in a different place, right? Right? Now, how many of you guys have ever had to move and felt nervous and afraid? How many of you guys have ever had to move and not been able to take a whole lot of stuff with you? Like, I'm not talking about that's okay, though, because you got to put it in storage, because Abraham did not have a storage facility at that time. Whatever he left behind was been left behind to turn into dust. So how many of us have been in a place where our heart broke almost for what we were leaving behind, what we had to? And were we afraid? Afraid of the unknown, afraid of the future, right? Afraid of maybe failure, of what others would think. Shortly after Abraham is sent away with all this stuff to live in the new land, God tells him, Do not fear, Abram. I am your shield, and I will reward you, and your reward will be very great. So, Abraham, or Abram, yet at this time, was faithful. The Lord said, You know what? You need to move. How many of us would say, but why? (laughs) Right? How many of us would have said, but why? Why me? Why now? Do you think he said that? No. Abram packed up and left. He trusted in the Lord. And God even repeated, do not be afraid, several times. To Abram, to Hagar, to Isaac, Abraham's son. And then to the children of Israel, God had Moses tell them. Now, imagine, if you will, I want you guys to be really honest. And think about, you know, like an inside out the movie, what emotion would be in control of you at this time. They are fleeing from slavery. And they get to a point where they have nowhere else to go, and the only thing in front of them is the Red Sea, which they cannot cross. For any multitude of reasons. It's too deep. The rapid's too swift. Crossing it was not an option. Going around it 
wasn't an option. And Pharaoh and his army are so close they can literally feel their breasts on the back of their neck kind of thing. Now, here you are. You thought you were finally leaving when it looks like you're not. It looks like you're about to be put back into captivity. And all this was worthless, right? What emotion is in the driving seat? Fear. You don't want to go back to you. You don't want to die. You don't want to go back to slavery. Exodus 14, 13, though. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. So, you guys know some Bible stories, right? What happens next? Here they are, pinned up against the Red Sea, which they can't get across. And Pharaoh's behind them. The Red Sea parted. Now, who did it? God. God parted the Red Sea and allowed the Israelites to cross through on dry land, right? What happened when Pharaoh and his army tried to go through too? The water came in on them and they drowned. Here they were afraid. And Moses says, nope, no, don't be afraid. Stand by and watch what God is going to do. He is literally going to deliver you from your enemies this very day. How many of you guys are in a part of your peace time in your life where you need to know that? You need it to be spoke over your life. But you need, most importantly, to move beyond the fear to be able to trust in it. Because, let's be honest, we can learn that the Israelites can be a little hard-headed. So what do you think may have been going through their mind, even as they were crossing on dry land? Do you think fear may have still been kind of sitting there, whispering in their ear, I hope this water holds up? They believed. Now us, though. Us. Let's say we're doing this. When we're walking through it, what emotions in the driving seat? Doubt, fear. Doubt is from fear. We'd start to be thinking about, well, I wonder how that water is holding up and what's making that water hold up and how long that water is going to hold up and is there a limit on how tall this magical force goes holding the water up and what if it starts to get really rough and choppy up there? Is it going to come over and am I going to get wet? And what's going to happen and is it going to stay open the whole time when Pharaoh's army tries to come through too, right? That little inner dialogue, sometimes it never seems to be quiet. I don't know about you, but mine talks really fast, trying to bombard me, right? Now, how about this? Imagine, if you will, you're a young teenage girl. And an angel comes to you, telling you that you have found favor with the Lord. And because of this favor, you are going to have a child. Now, it's a different climate and culture than today. And there's a couple of things about this young teenage girl that set her apart and make this kind of a very 
intriguing and potentially dangerous situation. She's not married. And so, to become with child at her state could lead to her death. And yet an angel of the Lord who appears to her had said this to her. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Teenage girl, knowing that, you know what, hey. I mean, let's be honest, teenage girls in today's world are scared and afraid when things like that happen, right? And they may or may not have even known what they were getting themselves into. And here's Mary. She has no clue. The angel comes to her and says, Don't be afraid. You've found favor with the Lord, and you will give birth to a son. What emotions in the driver's seat? You think she's afraid? That you think she lets fear control her, though? No. What follows is some of the most beautiful scripture and song in Luke. Where Mary talks about, my soul glorifies you, God. She's thankful for being recognized to be able to have this chance. She knows the child, who he's going to be. Messiah, the one who would come to save them all. And she believed that if it was God's will that she'd have the child, then God would take care of her. And did he? We've talked about it before. We'll briefly mention there's a couple of times the disciples are in the boat, right? The water gets a little rough, and they get a little panicked. They get a little afraid. They start screeching and hollering. Wake up, Jesus, wake up, we're surely going to die. You think Jesus woke up going, oh my, this is a really bad storm. calmed them. He calmed the snore. And then he calmed the disciples, and then he kind of chewed them out and said, guys, really? You think this is going to happen? You think we're going to die on a boat in the middle of an ocean, in the middle of the sea? You think that's God's plan for us? You think all this work that we've been doing has been leading up to that? Instead of going out with a bang, we'd go out with a fizzle. I guess that's what the disciples must have thought, because they were willing to think that they were going to die on a boat without finishing what God had told them to finish, without fulfilling the purpose that they had been given. Jesus had been telling them what was going to happen. They knew from the scriptures of the Old Testament, the load the Messiah would carry. And they didn't even known that Jesus was the Messiah. And yet when they were put in the middle of a storm, they kind of forgot that all. Let fear be in the driver's seat. And thought that surely we're all going to die in this boat right here, right now. We ever feel like that? We know God's got a plan for our lives. We know he's guiding us somewhere. That he's got something big in store for us. But the moment that a storm comes up, we kind of forget that he's even there.
that he is in control. That if the winds and the seas obey him, then surely whatever we've got going on in our lives is nothing but a little dust up compared to the power of God. They were afraid. But they were told not to be. Don't be afraid. Another instance, the women go to the tomb on Resurrection Sunday. Now, to them it wasn't Resurrection Sunday, at least not yet. We call it that because what happened? The resurrection. To them it was any given Sunday, except for it was a sad Sunday. They were going to the tomb to make sure that Jesus' body had been properly anointed with oils after his death. Because when he was died, when he was laid in the tomb, the Sabbath was happening. And so they were unable to properly prepare his body for burial. So on Sunday, after the end of the Sabbath, they were going to the, t- to the tomb to prepare the body. And they get there. Anyone remember when they get there, what happens? An angel comes to them, right? And they notice something very important about the tomb. It's empty. And an angel says to them, though, what do you think the angel says? Three words. Four words. What do you think the angel says? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know who you're looking for. Who are they looking for? Jesus. Was he there? No. Why? Because he had been resurrected. That's why we, to this day, call it Resurrection Sunday. Because he had been resurrected. He wasn't there. They're like, we know who you're looking for. He's not here. Now, we read Romans earlier. Paul learned the importance of overcoming fear. And he says it several times in many letters that he knows who he's believed in and is persuaded that he is able to handle whatever happens. In other words, whatever life is going to throw at him, he believed that God could handle it and help him handle it. But... What did we say the most popular fear was in America? Public speaking. Now, how many of us wouldn't be quite willing to cope to that actually being a real fear of ours, but we would just kind of say, oh, we're shy. We wouldn't say we got a fear of public speaking, but we're just shy, right? Sometimes we're more shy than other times, but we're just shy. So we don't know what to say. We're not really good with words. Do you know someone tried to use that excuse in the Bible too? You don't want me, Lord. I'm not really a good speaker. I'm not an elegant speaker eloquent speaker. I am not the guy for you, God. There is definitely someone better than me. Moses. He tried to use the excuse that he was not good with words. He couldn't think well on his feet. He was shy. Now, at this time, God was speaking to Moses through a burning bush. 
I don't know about you, but at a burning bush, I hope that I would not sit here and try to offer excuses to God. But then again, it's a burning bush. Fear is probably the emotion in the driver's seat at this time. First of all, it's a burning bush. I don't know about you, how many of us would think we'd be able to keep our cool if that's how God chose to speak to us. Let's be honest, how many of us would actually try to keep our cool if God was speaking to us, period? (laughs) Let alone a burning bush that doesn't seem to be burning up, it just seems to be on fire, even though it's not on fire, and it's kind of a mystery. Because it's just there burning, but it's not really burning. It's on fire, but it's not burning up, is it? And so Moses is being faced with what we call the burning bush, because it was burning. It was just always burning. Never burned out. It was just burning. And God goes, I've got a plan for you, Moses. You're going to go into Egypt, and you are going to deliver my people. And he's kind of like, well, God, you see, I'm not really good with words, and so you probably should find someone else. And I don't really think fast on my feet, and I'm not a good thinker sometimes, and I'm kind of shy. You think God said, I'm sorry, Moses? That's okay. I'll find somebody else. No. Please. And God did not say that. Kind of imagine if it was a pep talk, God might have said, mm, yeah, you're going to just have to get over that. God didn't accept excuses from Moses, and he's not going to accept excuses from us. The Bible warns us that at the end of days we will be held accountable for what each and every one of us has done, right? He's not going to buy excuses. And so we shouldn't be trying to make them. Now, what was going on with Moses is that he was probably afraid of leaving his comfort zone. He was probably afraid of going back to Egypt. You know, he had murdered a guy before he left. Killed him probably afraid of going back and facing consequences about what would happen to him. He had a nice cushy life where he was at. He was in a good place. And here was God trying to tell him, nope, you've got to leave this good place and go do what I want you to do, what I need you to do for the people. And sometimes we may feel that way. to step out outside of where we're normally comfortable, especially when we're called to speak, when we would remain silent and he would have us to shout it. Being shy when it comes to speaking up for the Lord is a characteristic of that as a Christian we need to change because it's born from fear. And there can be several motivations behind this fear. Acceptance from our peers or friends, approval of others, fear of rejection maybe. But we need to be able to put all of those fears aside. 1 Timothy 1, 7 through 9 says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. There's that word again, right? Timidity, also known as maybe being shy. We're not given a spirit of shyness, but of power and of love and of discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed at the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed to claim it. Don't be fearful of admitting it. And he says, of our Lord, and even of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. 
who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. We were looking at last month how we had been sent to go forth, right? To be proclaimers of the gospel. And to help build up the kingdom of the Lord. But one of those things that can prevent us from going forth, one of those things that can keep us rooted where we are, is fear. There's different reasons, and fear can cause different emotions in our lives. And we'll spend some time looking at them, at overcoming our fear. But one of the most important things to overcome fear is to put our trust in the Lord. Trusting in God defeats fear. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundant beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. He is able to do so much more than we can even imagine. We talked about how fear is, can only be limited by our imagination, and some of us may be pretty creative. Let's change where we're giving that creative power to, though. And instead of giving it to our fears, give it to what God can do in our lives, through us, in us, when we allow him to. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Perfect love comes from God. God's love can drive out fear. Trust in him. Romans 8.28 And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose know that if he has a plan for your life, he will work it out for you. You just have to surrender yourself to him. And then, just kind of remember, this is just our temporary home anyway. Our temporary dwelling place. Whatever work we are doing here on earth, Our real goal in our real work should be looking and focusing on where we want to spend eternity. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We know where we would love to go, where we want to go where we're working towards. And let's not let fear ground us and prevent us and stop us from achieving that. It said that the only thing left to fear is fear itself. But God can help us overcome whatever fear. We're going to spend the rest of the month looking at the importance of putting trust in God and how that trust helps us to overcome fear. But we need to first start by making a commitment. A commitment to putting that fear behind us. Because some of us may be comfortable where we're at. Some of us, even though we don't want to be afraid, may be comfortable in the circumstances and we have not decided that it is worth enough to move on. Fear is holding us prisoner where we're at because we are not bold enough and strong enough and faithful and trusting in God enough to move outside of that. And so it's going to be a matter of prayer to move beyond that, to make that commitment, to step out on faith, 
to allow him to guide you, allow him to speak to you in your heart, to move beyond fear. And for some, hey, overnight, but for some of us, most of us, it may be a work. We may have to remind ourselves, you know what? Uh Uh-uh, God's got this. We may have to remind ourselves that he can do even more than we can imagine, or that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. The Bible says, do not fear over 360-something times, one for each day of the year, right? To serve as a reminder. He had to keep reminding people. We may have to keep reminding ourselves as well. But it starts with a change in our hearts and a commitment to being willing to move beyond that. The first hurdle we have to overcome is the fear of change. Some of us are comfortable when things stay the same because the same is known and we fear the unknown. And so we're going to play a song. And as it plays, just take this time in prayer. The altar is available if you would like to go there and pray. But take this time. Think on these words. The song is going to say that he never lets go of us. As we're making this commitment to step out on faith and overcome fear, know that we are not doing it alone, that he is going with us, beside us, before us, and that he will never let go of us when we walk in his will. And so as the song plays, just take this time in prayer.
that commitment you make to us, Lord, and help us, empower us to make that same commitment to you, to never let go of you. Through every calm, through every storm, may we be faithful. May we be able to see beyond fear and to see you. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. Help us as we go forth, Lord, to move beyond it. We ask these things. We claim these things. Your beloved Son, Jesus, it's his name we pray.